What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica. Meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Mortada El Fadi. Welcome to Sundays with Kate. This is your host, Mortada El Fadl, and this is another episode where we talk about the movie that everybody's been asking for for as long as I have been doing this podcast, which has been a couple of years now. I can't believe it. Um, but anyway, I'm very excited to talk about Carol again. Um, and this time, my guest is writer and film programmer Shayna Macy Warner. Shayna, hello. Wow, hello. I can't believe I'm I'm on this much anticipated episode. <laughs> yes, people love Carol, as both of us do. So this is like the perfect time around Christmas, around the new year to talk about Carol. I'm so happy that you are able to join me tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is this is my Christmas movie. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is my Christmas movie. It's also, even though it was shot in Cincinnati, it's such a New York movie. And I know they played at the Metrograph. So I always go, you know, I haven't been because of COVID, but before COVID, it was a, a yearly ritual. So every Christmas since it was released, I have seen Carol. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love that. Yes. Usually there's two movies I go to see. Um, Meet Me in St. Louis and Carol. And those are the two Christmas movies that I see every year. Is there a connection between the two of them for you? I mean, apart from that, I love um, Kate Blanchett and I love Judy Garland. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there's a there's a spiritual connection there. Yes. Between the two leads. I mean, they're both, I mean, is, I think Meet Me in St. Louis maybe is the 40s, right? It's not even the 50s. So it's not the same period. I was going to say the link is the period, but it's not really. It's about a decade off, but still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Shayna, tell me first, I want to ask you about your relationship with Carol. So do you remember the first time you saw it and sort of your first impression about it? Of course. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I can't, you know, with certain films, but this one I absolutely remember I watched it with one of the only friends I had in college who would go see lesbian movies with me in theaters. And we went to uh, the uh, Santa Monica, because I was living in Los Angeles at the time, Santa Monica Theater. It was like an 11 a.m. matinee. There were two other people in the theater. <laughs> and we were so excited because we had been hearing so much about it. Like this was the lesbian movie. And I remember watching it and thinking like, oh, okay, you know, that was, I guess that was all right. I guess it was pretty, but I think that the hype around it, I, this always happens to me whenever there's hype around a movie, mm -hmm. I'm just like uber critical of it. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've calmed down a little bit over the years, but this was the same thing that happened to me as with Portrait of a Lady on Fire mm -hmm. when it had been so hyped and I went in and I was like, well, I guess that was a lesbian movie and like, it, you know, <laughs> there's not that much that's new about it. I guess it was very well done. Okay. Um, but, but over the years, I, something keeps drawing me back to it. And 
the second time I watched it because it was available on Netflix or something, mm-hmm. I thought, wait a minute, there's there's something else here. Like, why am I more drawn to it? And it's one of those films that I appreciate more and more every time that I watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's so richly detailed that repeat viewings, you just discover new things every time you watch it. Um, so I was, I'm, I was like a little deep into this movie from the beginning. Cause I love Kate, you know, obviously, cause I have this podcast about her filmography and I also love Todd Haynes. And so when I heard that they were doing another movie together, they have done, I'm not there, you know, I immediately bought the book and read it. And the book is so gorgeous and beautiful. And I was, and then this movie took forever to come out, like from, announcement to until it was released it was maybe three four years it was a long time and they were like you know Mio Vashikowska was gonna play Rooney Mara's role and then it was Rooney and then the movie was shot and then it was coming out in 2014 and then it wasn't it was delayed to 2015 so it was a long time um so all this time I'm just anticipating and um and there was a lot of you know people online like me anticipating this movie. There was even a blog dedicated to following this movie, which I got um, a lot of information on. And you know, fans of you know the the real ones know. Fans who are listening, fans of Carol who are listening to this podcast will know which blog I'm talking about. I'll link to it in the in the notes for this podcast. But uh, so there was like a community before, and I was kind of part of that community. And then you know. Played at New York Film Fest. Thank God, New York Film Fest plays all the good movies, and that's that's so. That's when I saw it. I think September of 2015. And wow! So all that anticipation—it was love at first sight for me, anyway. <laughs> that's so nice when you get that payoff. Yeah, uh, I love that. Let's introduce Carol. I mean, everybody listening, I think, know what Carol is and what is it about, but. I think, um, so Carol is a story set in the 1950s about in New York about um, a department store clerk called Therese Belovet. These names are amazing. Um, played by Rooney Mara. According to Letterboxd, she dreams of a better life but falls for an older married woman. And so that one is, of course, Carol played by Kate Blanchett. Um, and then I think what I really wanted to talk to you Um, in this episode of the podcast about Carol is that we are two queer people and this is a queer movie. And so we want to talk about sort of like the cultural impact of this movie for queer people, because this was a lesbian film made by queer people. Todd Haynes, who directed, is a queer man. You know, it was written, adapted from Patricia Highsmith, who was queer, um, adapted by Phyllis Nodge, who is also queer. Christine Vachon, one of the producers, is queer. And Sarah Paulson, one of the actors in the film, is also queer. These are the known queer people. There are some straights there, like Kate and Rooney and other people. Um, Alleged. Alleged (laughs) straight people. Exactly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) But I I feel like this this film, um, when I talk to queer people, it comes up a lot. Like, it's a movie that's lushly romantic with sort of a happy ending like it's not a complete happy ending it's not like they're dancing but it is a beautiful sort of ending and the movie is you know the participation of all these queer people in it sort of makes it special like you know other queer movies who were mainstream that were mainstream and seminal like Brokeback Mountain for example were mostly the people behind them were mostly straight but this is the first time like at least a lot of the people behind the camera were queer, which I think what 
what makes it stand out as you know there's definitely lots of queer movies throughout the years it's not by any means the first queer movie but it's just the one that sort of got to the mainstream culture yeah i would definitely say that it broke through and that it's been buoyed by kind of a, a cultish following um, yes. of, of queer people using so many pieces from the film mm-hmm. as as part of our kind of pop culture fabric now which is wonderful and very funny and and sexy sometimes um and i of course i would agree with you that you know there are many many films that came before and one specifically that i think about that was also directed created adapted from a queer woman's work is desert hearts mm-hmm. of course yeah, that was absolutely. also you know one of that that was the first um you know studio financed and and distributed film by a lesbian director in in the U.S. anyway, um, about two queer women who also had that kind of ambiguous ending, mm-hmm. that open yeah. open ending that nobody has to start pulling out the hankies because suddenly queer women were denied the right to live again. Yeah, um, but I think that Carol definitely, obviously, Desert Hearts is not as embedded in the mainstream still carol Mm -hmm. is carol is recognizable yeah um, and certainly has so much star power to behind it of course we're on we're on sundays with kate so yeah you you know a little about that but yeah um, but yeah i think it's it's become a reference point for a lot of queer people in a very playful way Mm -hmm. i think uh And definitely, I think when you say playful, that's always how I feel. Like, I feel it's a movie that sort of transcended whatever happened the year it was released, whether people went to see it then or not. And I think Netflix played a large part in that because it was on Netflix for a long time. So that's more democratic. A lot of people saw it. And it's also, I remember when it sort of leaked, the it leaked online like I don't know, a few months after it was released, and you know, you know, we we don't endorse piracy on Sundays with Kate, but uh-huh. as somebody who grew up in Sudan and you know where there were no cinemas, new movies are not available. You see them years after they're released. Like I was here in the U.S., but I also felt like you know, if I was back in Sudan and I was younger and the movie would have leaked, I would have definitely seen it, and so I was happy to for that movie to sort of reach people that way. Um, and I think it is, to your point, because of the stars who are in it, but also it's that's sort of maybe what got it, like the 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 press and, and the highlights from everybody and everybody heard about it. But I also think in the end, it's the movie itself. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it works so beautifully and it's done with such precise beauty, I think. And um, it's so like you feel so good watching it. I think that's why it endured. Even though I know people say, oh, you know, it didn't win these awards or it didn't do that or it didn't make that much money. But I think it it just, in the end, it pre-mated the culture. Mm. It Precise, I think, is a very good word for it. Very intentional. Every, yes. Everything is extremely intentional and also playful within the movie itself, which I really love. And I think it's funny that you mention this leaking online. I wasn't I wasn't aware of this but it makes a lot of sense because of Todd Haynes previous work or some of his first work mm-hmm. that did not, you know, leak online, but was really well known. And he, he became more known because it was passed around person to person kind of outside of, 
of a regular cinema um, and outside of <laughs> streaming, certainly. But I'm thinking of his his first work of of uh, or among his first work of Superstar. Superstar, yeah, yeah. which is on YouTube if you want to watch it. Yeah. It's still there, <laughs> which is still there, and and just thinking about the cult behind that as well, the kind of uh, democratization of access mm-hmm. of of finding this this battered VHS copy that was taped <laughs> onto another VHS and just passing it around and creating this inside joke yeah, uh, yeah. among queer people, but still with a film that was so fun to watch and, and so precise and so detailed. So I love that, that Todd Haynes has this trajectory too. Yeah, yeah, he does for sure. So let's let's dig into the movie a little bit. Carol, to me, like if you if you read the screenplay or if you're just listening to the words that Carolyn Therese is saying, um, which I think is the genius of the screenplay by Phyllis Nodge, is that what they're saying to each other is so bland. They're talking about, with the exception of something like, you know, flung out of space or all these other wonderful things they say to each other. But a lot of what they're saying to each other is like, you know, I'm having spinach or, you know, cream spinach. <laughs> And, you know, and they don't say, what are you doing on Sundays? Come, come visit me. It's all of these things that are just not, not, they're not declaring anything, but when they look into each other's eyes, so that's the performance, but also the way they are shot. Mm -hmm. So many things are said and, you know, Carol can't say, oh, you're, um, I'm attracted to you or I'm into you or do you want to come over or whatever it is that, you know, now we can say, but she can leave her gloves and forgets mm-hmm. them intentionally. Um, and she can invite Therese to lunch. So it's all these, you know, intentional things to what you were saying that they're doing, but they're never saying it. Never. They couldn't. No. And it's, it's so funny that because it's so indirect, everything is so indirect. When something direct happens, it's like a shock. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. And I'm, I'm thinking too far ahead in the movie, I think, for the trajectory that we're taking on this podcast. We can go back and forth that yeah. time. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's actions. Action mm-hmm. speaks so much louder than words in this movie. Yeah. Which, uh, I love. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me when, when um, Harge, Carol's husband, says to her, when she explains to him what she did, she's like, oh, I forgot my my gloves, she returned them and I invited her over to thank her. And he's just like, that's bold. And it is bold. It is so (laughs) bold that, you know, somebody in the 1950s can do that. But it's also because, you know, Carol is a rich lady and she has privilege and she knows that she can do this and be sort of out with no repercussions really to her life. But it's also bold that that she could do this. Absolutely. Carol is bold as hell. She is, yeah. In- incredibly so i i think i of course you know abby is is one of her her exes but i think that carol has a very long line of exes um you kind of get the feeling because her her seduction is so bold i love that i mean harge doesn't like that so much yeah. but it, you just get the feeling that she has moves the leather glove that's a move Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I like the hat. That's another move. I like the hat. Yeah. <laughs> I like the hat. And she gives her, she gives Therese a little once over 
amazing. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I talk a lot about like Kate in this podcast as a sort of 100% physical actor who acts with her whole body. Like she, she knows how to fill the frame, how she is in the frame. Um, and so in this movie, in that first scene, which is a wonderful scene in the department store, it's all about that. Like it's, she's acting not just with what she's saying or with her eyes and face, but with everything, the way she holds the cigarette or she can't she can't light the cigarette or the way she, when she walks away and looks back, it's like, um, it's, I love that performance so much. And I love watching her because I think it is a performance on two layers. She is playing Carol as a character, but she's also playing Carol as how Therese would see her, which is a more heightened way. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sometimes because because I think Todd Haynes' camera is always from Therese's point of view. So we see Carol as Therese sees her, and she's always just a little um a little more, a little better, a little more perfect. Um, just slightly, slightly doing a you know, slightly romanticized. Um, but also, of course, because she has her own dilemma with her husband and with her daughter and all of that, she plays the character too. That's so interesting. I didn't think of it that way. But certainly I think all of her, from her very first department store interaction with Therese, she does seem like she has come off the front of a, of a pulp novel, you know? Yes. Extremely statuesque and, and her voice too, her voice too, I think is, is so tailored to that idea of a fantasy. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, her voice is very seductive and very low. And and the way she says these lines, I mean, um, you know, everybody, there's so many lines, but I think the first time that you just, you know, sit and snap to attention is when, when they're at lunch and she says, um, what a strange girl you are flung out of space. And where'd you know, that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's such a brilliant line, like amazing. I think it's in the book, if I remember correctly, it's in the book. Um, But it's also just the way that she delivers it. She doesn't emphasize it. It's just like, you know, it's just, she flungs it out, just like Therese is supposed to be flung out of space. Very true. Yeah, she just, she plucks it from the ether and and suddenly kind of zoned in. You're right. Makes you, makes you wake up. That's amazing. Ah, I love, I love talking about this with you. This is so fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm having fun too. I love this movie so much. What a strange girl you are. Flung out of space. And the other scene I wanted to talk to you about is the, is when she picks her up um, to go to New Jersey to her house. So this is after the lunch. And that scene, the first time I saw this movie, that scene was the the scene where I knew that I love this movie because it visualizes falling in love. Because, mm. um, you know, the scene is they're in the tunnel and you can't hear what they're saying to each other because it doesn't matter because it's, me- it's like a memory. It's like a dream and you never really remember what you're exactly saying in a memory or a dream. And like it, the, the screen is flooded with green mm-hmm. um, and they're in the tunnel and there is a, there is a song on the radio and I was like, oh, somebody, you know, found a way to visualize falling in love, that moment where two people are connecting. Wow, that's really beautiful. 
So funny that thinking about the, the green, especially, I know that's a very much a Todd Haynes signature, but it also reminds me of, of a Wong Kar Wai mm. color palette who also yeah. I think is, is a filmmaker who very much focuses on that, that visualization of falling in love. Yeah. That, that color wash and, and the idea that you don't actually have to know what they're saying. They're just, it's, it's not one of the like, rom-com kind of montages where you're mm-hmm. supposed to believe like oh they're falling in love and you know they're going they're doing all these silly things how cute it's like no it's it's a conversation it can happen over the course of a conversation yeah, yeah. so Shana, tell me about a scene that you always remember when you think of carol oh so many that i would say the very first one of course i think this is such a todd haynes little joke i would love to talk to him about this um someday but when carol first comes up to the department store counter and and you know meets therese and is so frantic about finding this uh atrocious doll uh, for for rindy (laughs) um there's a little sign in the back of of therese behind therese that says mommy's baby and of course it's you know <laughs> referring to the dolls but also that's the entire plot of carol totally <laughs> I, I love this love that i love that little sign so much and i think that's one of the things that in repeat viewings i never would have really paid attention to that when i was watching it at first and thinking oh this is supposed to be a great lesbian love story but i'm watching it and i'm like oh that's hilarious yeah. that's wonderful um so I always think of that. I, of course, I think of of the love scene. I think it, it's it's short, but I think it's beautiful. And I think about again the boldness of Carol. And and again, this is a Desert Hearts parallel too. Mm. Um, when you know it's it's New Year's Eve, and they're both remarking upon not being alone and having each other. And it's that same kind of, they're not, they're not really saying directly what they mean to say, mm-hmm. Yeah. but you get the idea. And Carol just escalates it by opening her robe. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm like, yes, exactly. Action. <laughs> and of course, you know, there, there is a very, I think in, in films, there's not a great practice of uh, verbal and informed consent. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly something that you take with a grain of salt, but you, this is all about Therese and Carol and you know mm-hmm. what's about to happen. So that direct, bold, seductive move, letting literally like opening the door for Therese mm-hmm. to, then, to then say, take me to bed. I think about that. I think it's such a, a gorgeous and, and fluid and bold kind mm-hmm. of a scene. So I, I really love that scene as well. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, I never thought of it in that way, but but yes, I, I get your point. And also, I think later on in the scene, there is they do play a little bit with consent because she does say to her, I want to see you. And I can't actually I've seen this movie so many times, but I'm not sure who says that to the other one. But one of them says I want Therese yeah. says that. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, like, you know, that they they want each other. And also you're right, actually in a, uh, a couple scenes later um, when Therese is suddenly regretting everything that's happened because 
of course, you know, spoiler, Carol has been spied upon Mm -hmm. uh, and is nasty, you know, a professional whose job it is to apparently, uh, you know, tape women having sex without their consent and send Mm -hmm. it off to their husbands. Um, When, when Therese is regretting this and, and is berating herself for just saying yes to everything and, and wanting this, but then putting them in such a world of trouble, Carol then says, I, you know, I took what you give or I took what you gave gladly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that, that is a confirmation of, of just how much both of them really, really, of course, wanted this. So that, that line about, yeah, I want to see you keeping the light on for sure. There's, there's a conversation happening, even if the start was not so verbal. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, bold, bold as hell, really very hot. Good job, Kate. Good job everyone involved in this film love it when i first saw it i was like whatever it's short and, but little little did i know that uh there is there's a dearth of mm. of good of good love scenes in mainstream film so yeah totally and um and it is to your point it is short um they don't linger on it but i think this is also just to the economy of the whole movie. Like they don't linger on anything. Like I think there is an economy to the drama of this film. Like everything moves, um, moves smoothly, but also most of the scenes are, are short, except like, you know, I think the longest scene is the, that first scene of them uh, that we already talked about when they're in the diner and having lunch, but that's mm-hmm. to establish the relationship. But everything after that is sort of just, moves along like you know the, the thing I noticed was this movie and I just watched it yesterday again for I don't know the millionth time but it just moves so fast like it's slightly just under two hours but it just moves so fast like I was just started it and then it ended and I was like wow where has the time gone but that's because mm-hmm. you get enveloped in this in this love story absolutely yeah, so <laughs> It's so it is very, very economic. <laughs> I'd never thought about that. It's a two and a half hour economic film. Yeah. Um, so we have lots to talk about about with Carol. We're going to talk about um, Kate's performance, about Rooney's performance, about Sarah Paulson, about some other scenes we like. Um, but before we get to that, um, Shana, I wanted to ask you about your newsletter. You have a newsletter that I think maybe our listeners would like to know about. I do. I do have a newsletter. Uh, you can subscribe to it at shanamacy.substack.com. And it's just a place for me to write, write off whatever I'm thinking about queer cinema. Specifically, I focus on, on lesbian and bi women cinema because that's my niche. It's what I love to watch. Um, and occasionally you also get some ridiculousness like, uh, an ode to the uh, Catherine Hahn bisexual cinematic universe. <laughs> oh, I want to, I want to read that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh yes, you do this. I, I will not be shy about this. That's probably the best piece I've ever written. So if you want to, if you want to hear some ridiculousness that is not at all professional and it's truly just me writing about the stuff I love and, and recommend it, recommending queer films, that's shanamacy.substack.com. I love reading Shana's stuff. I haven't actually, I didn't know about your newsletter until right now, but I am going to hit that subscribe button immediately. (laughs) 
Ooh, another subscriber. <laughs> so let's talk more about Carol. So um, I could talk about this movie a lot, but I wanted one thing that I really wanted to talk about is sort of the chemistry between Kate and Rooney. Um, so when I first started this podcast, there is a question that I would ask um, every every guest at the end of the show is like, I was like, who do you think was Kate's best on-screen partner? And like, um, everyone would say Rooney Mara. And I know people love this movie and love this, this relationship and the actors. And so after a little bit, I tried to change it, to change the question a little bit to just, so that, you know, not every podcast is the same. But the thing is, when you're right, you're right. Like, I think <laughs> Rooney Mara is Kate's best screen partner and and one of the other things is that you know we talked about also in this podcast is that Kate sometimes seems a little too smart for the other men that she acts with that as if they kind of don't deserve her but maybe finally finally with Rooney or with Judy Dench um she found somebody who can be like on her level um because I, I think like you know I love Brad Pitt but you know I don't think they're the same but Rooney actually manages to be <laughs> Yeah, Rooney, I think Rooney definitely is a very intelligent actor, super, super observant and an intelligent performer. And I love watching her and, and Kate in this. Is is this still the question that I'm answering of, of my favorite or the best on-screen pairing with Kate? Yes. Okay. Well, obviously I'm on the Carol episode. So, you know, that, but that would be too easy. So I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I also love uh, Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock in Ocean's Eight. The movie is not great. Whatever, it's fine. It's it's a romp, but it's you know not that great. But I think that uh, Kate and, and Sandy have a really fun time. So I, I definitely consider that to be up there in terms of chemistry. Yes, give us Ocean's Nine. Let's let's do let's get more Kate and Sandy. Please. Can it, and also, can we just make it explicit already? Like, we get it. We know they're all gay. Yeah, totally. Like, Missed opportunity, in my opinion. I mean, the actors might be straight, but none of those characters in Ocean's 8 are so. No, none of those characters. Oh, my God. Kate Blanchett, like, her greatest dream in life is to own a motorcycle? <laughs> yes, I know, what? right? That's a dyke on a bike. Like, I don't... <laughs> what are you trying to say, you know? But I also want to talk a little bit about Rooney in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, when this movie first came out, there was all this talk of like, who gives the best performance? Is it Kate or Rooney? And you know, there was at, at least among my my friend group a little bit of a fight. Obviously, I, I will always, um, you know, I will always thump for Kate. Kate gives the best performance in every movie she's in. <clears throat> Excuse me, in my opinion, but. I have to say, like, Rooney is amazing in this mm-hmm. in this movie, and we should give her props. And even though I used to get into fights, I'm like, no, 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 she's not as good as Rooney, but I think that's just me being facetious. She is, She's not good as Kate. That's just me being facetious. I think she is amazing, and I think she has, she has an arc here where she starts as this very naive, younger woman, and she grows, you know, she matures in front of you, and it is something to behold, frankly, um, to see her charting that arc, arc from the beginning until the end. And she's obviously helped by a wonderful script and helped by the costuming 
and by how she is photographed and lit and all of that. But also her performance is just heartbreaking. And so, so quiet, but, you know, there's volcanoes of emotions in it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely the costuming helps. The hair, the hair is very, very good as a sign of transformation. I, I do think that she is a different person from the start of the film, or I guess not the start because that's, you know, a flashback, but from the start of her chronological journey with, with Carol to the end of it, she is a different person and the choices that she makes are believable, are very believable about when she chooses to leave, when she chooses to return. I think that Rooney did an excellent job. And I think that speaking of kind of going back a little bit, speaking of the chemistry between the two and about this effect on, on queer culture at, at large. I love watching interviews with Rooney and Kate. Yes. Um, <laughs> they're so fun. They're so fun. There's, there's one especially that I, I don't remember what context it was in, what kind of press screening, but an interviewer asks Rooney what it was like to, you know, fall in love with Carol, with Kate's character. And Rooney kind of has a a look of panic on her face. And Kate Blanchett says, well, you know, sweetheart, do you want to answer that? And you can just see the like, (laughs) Therese and Carol just continuing. The dynamic. Dynamic, yeah. So I think that Rooney did an excellent job, but I also think that some of that might have been real of like playing opposite Kate Blanchett and it just worked. It just worked so well for this dynamic for these characters. Yeah, I'm so happy you wrote up the interviews because I think I've also seen a lot of interviews of the two of them during that time when the movie came out. Um, and there is a lot of when, where um, Rooney does say that it was easy to fall in love with Kate because how could you not? Like she, it, it was somebody she has looked up to for years and then to meet her and to find out that she's this you know wonderful person in real life as she thought she would be it was easy to sort of like play that she loved her uh may we all be so lucky in our jobs you know right that we work with Kate Blanchett right yeah Mm -hmm. we should be so lucky (laughs) so but I also so when we talk about the interviews and the interviews and the red carpets and all the pictures and and I think this is sort of what all the pictures of Kate and Renu together and sort of their um, friendship or the way they enjoyed each other like I don't know you know we are projecting I don't know if these women are actually friends in real life or not but anyway from what we could gleam on from those moments that they were in front of cameras whether in the movie or in the press tour they seem to really enjoy each other's company. And I think it sort of created this buzz that around them and around um, the relationship between Carol and Therese that sort of just helped feed the cultural impact of this movie. Because people were, yes, they share memes from and, you know, gifs from the movie, but also people are very happy sharing pictures and memes of them just, you know, on the press tour. Yeah, it's it exactly. It's a meme, but it's it's a very genuine interest and delight. I think in this in the press tour character of it all, definitely. No, Murtada, it's all real. <laughs> and I I love that that you say delight because I think this is the one thing that I love about the Carol 
fan or the Carol community is that there is always just delight and appreciation for the movie and for these actors and what they did. Like there is no, um, and if there is listeners, like there is no negativity towards this movie. And if, and if there is, I haven't found it in six years, so I'm happy not, not to find it. <laughs> yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I'll be in my, my cave of just everybody loves Carol. It's fine. <laughs> I think that, it, you know, there is some, grouping pushback where Carol always gets grouped into this uh, group, this category of, you know, allegedly straight actors playing gay roles. And I completely understand like this kind of exhaustion with it. But I also think that uh, sometimes people unfairly group in really good movies with really blah ones. And I would say that, you know, there there's a lot to be said about straight and, and gay actors being able to play whomever they would like. And I I hope that I hope that uh queer actors will be booked, basically, have have their stars rise and be considered for any part that they want. Um and I will and I'll also say that I think that this movie is so good that that sort of criticism is allowed to exist and not dismantle it. Yeah, totally. I agree with you 100%. I'm all for queer actors, like you said, getting booked and getting opportunities. But also, I love Carol because of these performances Mm -hmm. who are, you know, by alleged straight people, but they are wonderful. Like actors should be able to play whomever they want. Or who, you know, as long as there is, you know, equal opportunity for everyone, which is, there is not, which is why these conversations are important to have. Exactly. Certainly. And I, and I think it is, I'm sure you've had this conversation before. I think it's important to note also that when we say actors can play anybody, there are a lot of limitations. Yes, totally. um, Of course. And I, I think that we're in a climate where it's being discussed more, but not always acted upon. Like people can say, yeah, sure. I, I watched disclosure for sure. We know, we know about that one film that elucidates a little bit of the history of trans people on screen, but there, it, there does continue to be casting that truly, when you look at it, you're like, what dumbass, you know, made this decision. So I just, I want to put that qualifier. Yes, asterisk, absolutely. I did not mean, you know, I'm definitely for Kate as Carol, but I'm definitely against Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl. Let oh me just God. be clear. I'm against, I'm against The Danish Girl. <laughs> absolutely, yes. I'm going to be very clear on that. <laughs> but let's go back to Carol and more happy thoughts and yeah, a movie yeah. that we love instead of that other one that we don't want to talk about. Please. I'm so sorry for derailing this. Thank you. Let's bring it back. Here. No, right. don't worry about it. No, that was an important, an important point to make. So we were talking about the interviews and Kate and Rooney and all of that, but I think this movie sort of like lives by the memes and sort of like all the other intangible things that are around it like the memes like the Harold were lesbians I think everybody who's listening to this podcast knows what Harold were lesbians is um and it's a meme that I've uh, discussed with Kate Halliwell when we did Oceans Oceans 8 so if you haven't listened to that podcast go listen to that one we discuss it in detail in that one so I won't um 
I won't go into it. But it is such a funny meme that people went into this movie, I, I think, as just a prestige Oscar film in the holiday season, and they didn't know it was a lesbian story. And then they find out. And I'm, I'm like, it's, it's so funny to me that, that that meme is the funniest thing about Carol, I think. Wow. That, I think so. I think that is carried over. I think that was maybe the first thing I heard about Carol, actually. <laughs> The Harold Harold they're lesbians. Just a classic. Ugh. That is a classic. But also one of my favorite things is this picture um, of Kate and Rooney. And this is after Waterloo, or it's it's before Waterloo, when the guy sort of tailing them comes and tries to sell them some magazines or whatever. And they're completely, at least Kate, definitely 100%, is not interested in anything he's saying. And Rooney's kind of sort of trying to be nice, trying to humor him. Like she's not, definitely not interested, but also maybe doesn't want to be rude. And so that picture of like Kate and Rooney looking at this man with disdain and like, why are you interrupting us? Has like burst so many memes. Like so many, so many people use this picture to talk about, you know, um, humorless men and what men do when two women just want to have breakfast or whatever, want to have a conversation, want to talk to each other, anything. And I love that picture all the time. I just, it's my favorite thing. Oh um, my God. Can I, can I tell you about one of my favorite memes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it does not Actually, okay. It's like a, it's a several layers of a meme and I'm sure you've already talked about it on this podcast actually. Um, but it is featuring what I think is one of the most important parts of Carol, which is the score. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous score. score. Carter it's, Burwell. Yes. yes. So evocative. So I think it's, it's what makes so much of it move so fluidly. Um, and really helps with that. Again, you're talking about this visualization of falling in love. That score, anytime I hear that score, I'm like, oh boy, somebody, somebody's falling in love um, in infatuation. And there is one of my all-time favorite videos, things that the internet has produced, is from a round table. It's oh my God. Actors round table. <laughs> yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about. I know, um, but please t- but please tell me. Yes. yes. So it is, somebody has put uh, maybe a 30 second compilation together and it's of a, a Hollywood reporter actors round table. So people who are in talks for uh, Oscar nominations. Yeah. And it features the conversations in the body language between Rachel Weiss and Catherine Hahn. And it, and it paced the Carol score <laughs> over it as well. There's there was some great editing going on. There are some very choice zooms, some choice um, effects on on Catherine Hahn's completely infatuated agreement with everything Rachel Weisz has to say. Zooming in on where their hands are placed, and it is gorgeous. And I think that the Carol score just makes it like you know. You know, Carol is a movie about infatuation and fantasy and, you know, these this gorgeous unspoken but direct love between these two women. And 
And I get all of those feelings from the score. So pasting it over the Catherine Hahn and Rachel Weiss little romance is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. It's oh my so God. <laughs> I know that and I love it and I've seen it and I'm going to link it on the page for this podcast. So if you want to see it, go to sundayswithkate.com and find this podcast. Um, yeah, it will yeah. be the last one. So just find it and um, and you can watch this. It's so much fun and I love it. And I think the role of the interrupter to the infatuation in that is played by Glenn Close in yes. that video. Yes. It's the best little tale of of a film. It's a short film. It's really a short film. Yeah. <laughs> It's gorgeous. It's so funny. And it's just like, you know, you just watch it. And yes, the Carol score is used to maximum effect, maximum and hilarious effect. Exactly. (laughs) It's so great. I love it. Um, So we talked about how this movie is full of so many rich details and it rewards repeat watching. And you already talked about uh, Mama's Baby, which is a wonderful little thing that you see. Are there any other small things in Carol that maybe people haven't noticed that you can tell them about? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, I think that this is unfortunately not focused on uh, Kate and, and Rooney, but I think that the, the actor who plays Rooney's boyfriend, Jake Lacey. Uh, yeah. I, I think that now maybe pe- more people have seen white Lotus and he's just so good at playing this insufferable man who is uh, offended when everything or when anything like very slightly inhibits his way of seeing the world. And I really like that so much of this film is about inhibiting the way people see the world. (laughs) So I I just think that his performance is excellent. Yeah. Um, And as someone who is so limited in his like Mm -hmm. vision in what he sees in life and what he thinks of anything. Like he is like, I can't remember. Richard is his name. I remember it. He's Richard. so limited, but the performance is so unlimited. Like it's, yeah. there's so many layers to it. I love that. I love that. So I think I, I appreciated his performance. That's a little, little thing for me. Cause I don't usually notice <laughs> those performances. The guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, some guys I do, some guys I do, but yeah. A lesbian movie come on yeah um, who's gonna look at Richard and I would I would also say that uh I love that Carrie Brownstein is in this movie yes so another another queer woman who is in there for a millisecond but I think still is there as a a marker of Therese's growth and maturation as a person and I I think that those are those are probably the most most important things that I've just kind of come to be like, Oh, that too. That's great. That's amazing. But I, I would say that most of it is just right there. Everything is in the film. Yeah. Everything is in the film. It's one of those things that doesn't actually need any background. And I think the reason it's become so popular as a reference point is because everything is in the film. Don't actually need the press tour. I love the press tour, but you don't need it. You can just watch the film. It's all in the films. And one of my favorite little moments is it's a little... So I love watching Kate and just watch her, watching her on screen. And there is a little thing she does um, early on in the film when Carol is going to 
the Christmas party that her husband insisted she go to, and Sarah Paulson's Abby is dropping her, and she gets off the car, and you know she her back is to the camera and to Abby, but I think she wants to tell Abby and also us that she's acknowledging Abby, and so she does a little click of her feet together as she's walking away, as mm-hmm. if she's saying goodbye to Carol. And I love that. And it's sort of like, it goes to my thesis that Kate is such a wonderful physical actor. And so if you haven't noticed that little bit in Carol, go watch that and um, you will see it. Oh, I guess I have to rewatch Carol again. Oh no. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Paulson is fantastic in this film. Yes. She okay. is so wonderful. Absolutely. The way, the way she stares down Harge, I think, is also a little favorite moment for me. I can't help you with that, you know. Yeah, that, that strength, I think. Because she, she is someone who could be terrorized as well by Harge. You can very clearly see that like he, he's about to bring his full power as you know, someone who will never be blamed uh, legally. He's about to bring that to bear on on everything that Carol holds close. And Abby could very well be a casualty of that. And she stands her ground. And I love that performance. Yeah, she's wonderful. And, you know, when we talk about sort of like physically, I think later in the film, when Abby and Carol are talking and Abby is leaving Carol's um, house and they sort of clasp arms around each other as they're walking down the stairs like I think that's sort of just it's and the camera follows them from behind and you can see like it tells you about the deep bond between them that no no matter what these two women are going to be in each other's life forever and they're always going to be the rocks for each other and it just like I think Sarah and Kate have wonderful chemistry um you know not romantic chemistry but this wonderful sort of friendship chemistry which is very important in queer for all queer people very, very accurate representation, I would say, of, uh, of at least dyke circles, certainly. Um, and that's, you know, that's the only thing I can really talk about. Uh, everything else, I'm just a casual outside observer. But uh, the urge to stay friends with your exes and, in fact, form deep emotional bonds with them <laughs> is, uh, is something that is ongoing for me and many queers that I know. Yeah. Yes, I think it's it's a little um, it's a little different for people in my circle. Like I personally, I don't want to form any bond with any exes, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? You do you. I think that's very healthy too. <laughs> Perhaps more so. Yeah, I I appreciate it when I see it with Carolyn and Abby for sure. <laughs> no, that's, that's nice for them. So, so Shayna, there are so many line readings um, in this movie that are just so, it's just like we already talked about what a strange girl you are flung out of space. Can you tell me if you can, you know, remember on the spot right now, what is your favorite Kate Blanchett line reading? And if you remember one for Rooney, that would be great too. Oh my God, that's so hard. Of course, flung out of space, you know. The one I can remember for Rooney is is the when they're in the diner and Rooney's taking or Rooney when Therese is taking a picture of Carol and Carol's not prepared. And she says, Oh, I look a fright. Um, and that's when Therese says, no, like, no, you look wonderful. And that's when she 
puts her hand on, on Carol's, I think for the first time. And Carol notices that really notices it. I think that's an excellent example of, of Kate's, you know, whole body acting. And I think it's a really wonderful line reading from Rooney. Yeah. Yeah. I love that moment. Um, my, so Carol is not a comedy, although it is sometimes funny. And so my favorite, um, my favorite line reading of Rooney is when they get somewhere, I think it's when they get the big room or the suite and they are, you know, Therese and Carol are um, at the hotel concierge and they're booking the room and, you know, um, the person there offers them a bigger room or a suite um, and Carol doesn't want to take it because I guess she doesn't want to take advantage. But Rooney sort of like, this is where where Therese becomes bold. And she's like, we should take the big suit, suit, suite. But then she says, um, I mean, if the rate's attractive. And I love that because it's kind of a joke. It's funny because it's not about the rate. We know what it is about. We know, Therese, you finally want to do this. And so the way she says it, it's kind of a joke, but it's also funny. But it's also like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. So I love that moment. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so funny. You say Carol's not a comedy. I say Carol is a hundred percent. There's it is a comedy. I think it's a it's a quiet comedy. Just like that line, if the rate is attractive, but I, I think there are many comedic elements. Yeah, if the rate's attractive is my favorite um, Rooney line reading. So um listeners, um let us know on the comments or on Twitter, Sundays with Kate. Um, what is your favorite line reading for Kate or for Rooney or just what you love about Carol in general? So Shana, as I, as I said at the top of the hour, so the reason I was excited to talk to you is, you know, I wanted to talk to, um, to, I wanted to talk about the cultural impact for queer people for Carol, which I think is immense. And I call it a movement. So you mentioned that you had a couple of those, uh, moments that you wanted to tell the listeners about. I really do. So I think that the cult of Carol is uh, not a very scary one. I think it's quite friendly. And I think that some of my favorite comedic bits that only really only a queer audience would love has have spun from Carol. And one of them I really want to shout out is actually a, a comedian's routine. Um, her name is Kelly Quinn. Um, and I saw this routine at something that was hosted by another actually podcast that was, um, it was a Dyke specific podcast and they had a show a, like a holiday theme show called Dyke the Halls. And it was a variety. Show. It was so, it was so fun. Um, and this bit that popped up throughout the show was this comedian KQ Kelly Quinn doing a bit in which she was Rindy and she was looking for Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so she wandered out onto the stage and started doing a, has anybody seen my mom? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm missing her. She always brushes my hair and now my hair's all messy. Has anyone seen Carol? She left with, with Therese with someone who looks just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that that was a brilliant bit. And I, I want to say, KQ, if you ever listen to this podcast, thank you. Thank you for that. I'll link to that. Um, you'll have to send me the link so I can link it. 
I will. Um, I love that. I I wish I have seen that. And and I mean, there's also the Carol support group, which is a comedy bit that I think became a short film. It's about all the people who can't quit watching Carol. We'll link to that too. That is so funny. It's a sh- it's a short film that you can watch. So there are lots of these things that that came and and to what we were talking about. They're all sort of inclusionary and all wonderful and delightful and all are just like come on let's all revel in our love for carol and talk about it um and enjoy this film even more absolutely it it just lends itself to it yeah um one of my favorite things also just like there's so many memes but there is that scene of kate when she's you know she delivers one of her other major lines where she says we're not ugly people hard but right before that she's sitting down and she's kind of shaking and that image of her and that gif of her sort of like just shaking like i've seen so many people share that that little bit and you know title it gay shaking which is just so funny whenever something like you know big happens or whatever it could be used in so many contexts but it is totally gay shaking um and i love that bit too that is that is a really beautiful scene as well, certainly. And I think one that plays out in a lot of, of uh gay films and dramas and melodramas because it is it was such a true situation that still has effects right now. Yeah, totally. And I think that's one of like when we talk about Carol was a book, but I think Carol the movie owes its brilliance to the screenwriter Phyllis Nodge. And that scene is definitely something that she came up with. Because when you read the book, the book is told completely 100% from Therese's point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, Because that's how Patricia Highsmith told that story. But all the scenes that are Carol without Therese, um, in the book there are allusions to them or they're mentioned in passing. But I think what Phyllis Nodge's brilliant script, what it does here is that it dramatizes that and it gives us this other dimension to Carol that is not in the book, but it just adds adds more. Um, and so I just love the screenplay and I think she did such a brilliant job adapting this. Makes her a real person. Yeah. Thanks, Phyllis. I know. Thank you, Phyllis. We love Phyllis Nodge. Um, <laughs> So, Shayna, thank you so much for coming on Sundays with Kate. This was such a wonderful conversation. Um, before we go, let our listeners know where they can find you and your work. So, thank you so much for having me, Murtada. This was a delight, as as everything related to Carol is. I, As I said, you can find my writing, shaynamacy.substack.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm very online, unfortunately. Uh, it's at Bernadette Teeters. It's like Bernadette Peters, but it's sillier. Um, so that's that's mostly where you can find me. Yeah, and Shayna's a great follow, so give her a follow. And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says, or follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And until next time, thank you for listening.